Hey, Andrew here. If you uh, haven't listened to Monad 1, What is a Monad?, then you might be a little bit confused about the naming of the episodes on the podcast. So what I've done is I have some shorter and less highly produced episodes that I'm calling monads, and that's what you're about to hear. But the episodes that I was the most obsessive about and put the most effort and time into, I'm calling those episodes full episodes as part of a full season So go to the seasonal episodes if you want to hear Reductio at its best. But if you want to hear me kind of playing around with the medium and and playing around with ideas uh, that I find interesting in in a little bit shorter and more informal format, uh, then listen to the monads. I hope you enjoy. Reductio Adventures and Ideas. I'm your host, Andrew Lavin. Reductio is a show about philosophy, about ideas, and about understanding ourselves and our world more clearly. Brought to you by Inverted Spectrum Media. Stay tuned at the end of today's monad for a little bonus. Some music from a fellow philosopher. Just a warning, today's episode is going to be a little bit on the meditative and relaxing side, so maybe don't listen to it while driving? I don't know. Imagine you're there. You're there floating through space. Imagine you have no feelings of heat or cold. The air around you is perfect body temperature. The air isn't moving, so you have no sensations on your skin. You don't have any clothes to rub against your skin. Your fingers are gently splayed. No feeling of stretch or strain. No fingers rubbing up against one another. No feeling of pressure or texture. No feeling whatsoever. Your limbs are spread eagle so they don't touch your sides or each other. There's no hair rubbing against your skin. There's no air rushing by. You're not hearing anything. There are no sounds. The taste in your mouth is totally neutral. No lingering flavors. In fact, you've never eaten anything before in your life. You're only seconds old. You're not a baby. You sprang fully formed into existence. So you pop into existence, no sensory input whatsoever, no proprioception. Proprio means self in Latin, so proprioception is the perception of your own body and bodily orientation, like balance is a form of proprioception. You're not experiencing any off-balance feelings. You can't really tell where your arms are. It's like when your arms fall asleep in the middle of the night and you wake up and you, you have no sense of where your arms are at all. 
But luckily there are no pins and needles to come. You just can't feel your limbs or where they are. You can't hear or feel or smell or taste or see anything at all. You can think full thoughts, but you just popped into existence. So it's not like you have a fully formed linguistic capacity. It's an okay place to be. It's not hot or cold, not hungry, not cramped or in pain, not itchy, not annoyed by incessant noise or, or tinnitus or songs stuck in your head. So the question is pretty simple. Are you aware of yourself? You might think, maybe I'm aware of my body. But remember, your body isn't producing any sensory, proprioceptive, or other input into the sensory part of your mind. You're not aware of your body at all. Are you aware of yourself? Yourself is something different from your body. When you die, your body will be there, but not yourself, right? You won't be there anymore. Sounds plausible enough. So you might be wondering, what is myself? What is it I'm supposed to be aware of? In the thought experiment, the word that gets used for self is is this Arabic word, nafs. Nafs is the same sort of word that shows up in words like myself or self-sufficient or himself. It's the thing you evoke when you say words like myself or self-sufficient. It's what other people refer to with words like herself or their self. It's the person that is you. It has something to do with your body, to be sure, but it also has something to do with you as a person related to other persons. It is involved in moral categories like selfish and selfless. It is involved in doing stuff for other people or one's own person, as in I bought this for myself. It's you, or you as a person. So, are you aware of yourself? Are you, if you were the floating person, aware of yourself? There are no sensations at all, remember. So the question is, is there an innate and primitive awareness that one's self exists? So is there a essential me-ness or mindness to the experience I'm having? When you're having an experience, is it always your experience? It's always essentially your experience. If you think that in this state, when you're floating through the air, not feeling anything, you don't even really have memories. If you think that in that state, you would always still be aware of yourself you'd get along well with Ibn Sina. Who's Ibn Sina? He's certainly in the running for the most influential historical philosopher of all time, especially in the Western tradition. Abu Ali al-Hussein ibn Abdullah ibn al-Hassan ibn Ali ibn Sina. It's quite the name. Ibn is similar to the Hebrew bin, or the Scandinavian son. It means son of... So Abu Ali al-Hussein ibn al-Hassan ibn Ali ibn Sina means something like Abu Ali al-Hussein, son of Abdullah, son of al-Hassan, son of Ali, son of Sina. 
The folks who came a few centuries after him and wrote in Latin called him Avicenna, since Avi means son of in Latin. But we'll just stick with Ibn Sina. This thought experiment first shows up in Ibn Sina's writings. It shows up in two different places, that, at least that I'm aware of. He uses it to try to prove something very specific, that we are always necessarily aware of ourselves before we are aware of anything at all, or at least concurrently with us being aware of anything at all. So we're sometimes unconscious, and during those times we wouldn't be aware of anything at all. But the rest of the time, you would be aware of yourself. So every time you have an experience, you are aware of yourself. Experience itself has a particular structure. And at one end of that structure is the subject who is doing the experiencing. And at the other end is whatever's being experienced. So as long as you're having an experience, you're aware of yourself. Within the experience is the self. It's my experience. I'm the one there experiencing the object. The pleasure, the pain, the heat, the cold, the bed, the fire, the mother, the husband, the pet dog, Skippy, all of those things, when they're being experienced, you're also experiencing yourself as the subject of that experience. So what's interesting about this is that something similar to the same idea shows up in lots of places in uh, classical Indian philosophy during roughly the Western medieval period in 20th century Europe in the phenomenological tradition, where the idea of experience having a structure one can investigate loomed large, and the idea of there being a self that transcended experience or was prior to that experience showed up prominently in the work of Edmund Husserl. So what does it mean for experience to have its own structure like this? For Ibn Sina in particular, it means that every experience seems to have a subject or an experiencer And then there's something else that makes up the subject matter of the experience. It's what is experienced. The structure, according to Ibn Sina, seems to pervade all of experience. So you might think that's a little overly obvious. You might think, think, what's the point in saying all this? What's the upshot? And I think part of what's really interesting about it is that lots of people actually disagree. It's not at all obviously the right view to have. It might seem obvious, but it's not obviously right. So you might think that we aren't actually aware of ourselves immediately. Thomas Aquinas, for instance, thought this. Buddha, David Hume, and many others arguably held a similar sort of view. The view is something like, we can see the effects of ourselves, decisions get made, experiences get had that seem to be the result of some unified processes, desires show up, things happen like reflexes that don't seem to come about because of an agent, And things happen like intentional actions that do seem to come about because of an agent. Then, after seeing all this stuff, we infer that there's a unified agent or person or self behind all this activity. If you're like Buddha or Hume, you think actually we're sort of fundamentally mistaken. If you're like Thomas Aquinas, you think that inference is good. So Ibn Sena thinks that we experience ourselves directly as part of the very structure of experience. And he uses the floating man thought experiment to show this. And someone like Aquinas thinks we have experiences that don't include experience of ourselves. 
and then we infer that there must be a self or an agent or a subject of these experiences. It's something we infer. I'll leave it to you to decide who's correct here, or if the whole conversation is mistaken. Ibn Sina finishes one of the passages where he discusses his thought experiment with an exhortation to reflect further. I think what he's saying is that if you reflect on the nature of experience, you'll notice that yourself is part of the experience the whole time. He thinks it will become clear to you through more reflection. He might have been wrong, though. Buddhist meditation, experiences on LSD or acid, and transcendent experiences in virtually every religious tradition seem to have in common the experience of the disillusion of the ego or self and becoming one with the rest of reality. Gautama, Buddha, and Hume thought there was no self, and so no self as a necessary part of experience. So you might reflect on experience itself and ask yourself, am I always there? Would it be possible to have an experience that didn't belong to anyone? It wasn't necessarily someone's experience. And even if that were true, even if I always had an experience where someone was the subject of experience, A, you'd have to decide, is that necessarily true? Or through like meditation or LSD or something, could I come to have an experience where I wasn't there and that experience didn't necessarily belong to me? And then B, you'd also have to ask yourself, what are the implications of that? For some people, they're going to go with Ibn Sina and thinking there's this self. It's something like a soul from the Judeo-Christian Muslim tradition. And that self or soul is something that might go to heaven someday. or that, That's me in a very deep and profound sense. Or you might think, sure, I'm always part of the experience, but I don't really know anything about that self. It doesn't necessarily mean that there is this self that's perfectly unified. It could just be that the structure of experience is that way, but reality is something slightly different. These are decisions that you get to explore using philosophy and come to a decision on your own. This thought experiment is really fun to think about. Just don't lose yourself in the experience of thinking about it. Thank you, as always, for joining us here on Reductio. As I've mentioned before, a full season of longer, more highly produced episodes will be available in the spring of 2020, most likely. This includes some interviews we've already recorded and committed to season one. In season one, we'll talk about what a Reductio is, about technology, about money, and we'll go more in depth discussing the trolley problem. Thank you so much for your continued support. Thank you to new patron Robert Jones, our continued patrons include Luke Adams, Kui Gray-Lavin, Connor Hughes, and Owen Roth. Become a monthly supporter at patreon.com reductio. Thank you also for direct donations from Barbara Swear and Peter Sugia and Rose Spiro. Thank you so much for your support. Until next time, I'm Andrew Lavin. There's a little bonus at the end of today's monad. I wanted to share with you what I've been listening to the music of a fellow philosopher. We were at UCLA together as doctoral students. His name is Olufemi Taiwo, and you'll be hearing from him in season one, if not before. 
His latest EP is Space for My Guitar, and I think it's pretty great. His website is femismusic.com, F-E-M-I-S music.com. And you can follow him on Facebook as well. He's based in D.C. if you want to see him live. Just a warning, Space for My Guitar does have explicit lyrics, so perhaps be mindful of who's in the room when you're listening. Enjoy Space for My Guitar. On my amps, cables, stamps, tables, and pack them as soon as I'm able. Fatal blow struck my open schemes. Now I'm hoping. Fiend for city lights to scope the scene of glowing sheen and broken dreams on the other side of these train tracks. Fake cat chase Maybach. LA's I find bizarre. I just need space for my guitar. Oh, 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 oh,